Hello and welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm Emily. Yeah, this is Matt Hoops from Reliant K and 1981 Inventions. Woo! It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I am incredibly excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm I'm super thankful that you guys uh, asked me to be here. Yeah. Speaking of being thankful, uh, this is our New Year's episode. So Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, why don't we start this episode with talking about some of our uh, takeaways from the last year and kind of what we're looking forward to this upcoming year, just in the spirit of, is it a holiday? Is New Year's, I, I guess it's a holiday. I think it's a holiday. I mean, I, I don't have to work today. Well, there you go. I, th- I think it's a great holiday. Yeah, it's yeah. like celebrating newness and a fresh start. And it's it's awesome. I'm all about that. I like that. Um, so I guess I can start. Uh, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah. Um, so I just, before we recorded this, I was looking through my Instagram feed to see how much like my board has changed over the year, but, and it has <laughs> a lot. Um, but that's not really what the year was about for me. For me, it was more getting involved in these, these communities of people who, talk about guitar gear and culture um, from other podcast groups like 60 Cycle Hum and the Gear Slum to the She Shreds group and getting to, to do uh, an article and some work for, for that magazine that means so much to me, um, to getting some of my writing featured on the Fretboard Journal, to, to just making a lot of new friends um, in, this, in this musical instrument and accessory world. Um, so, I mean, I just really want to shout out people like Kevin Equitz, who uh, worked with me to design the Ainsley guitar, um, to my friend Layla Sidi, who is going to be building me a guitar this year. And I think I'm hopefully the first build of 2019. Um, yeah, so that's just kind of been 2018 to me in a nutshell. That sounds like an awfully busy year. I don't know how I follow that and still sound cool. Um, <laughs> geez. Okay. Um, I promise I sleep by the way. <laughs> I, I definitely don't. Uh, I'll go ahead and go next and then, so we can, I can be a book ended by some great years. Um, yeah, as my year has been an interesting and a year full of the unexpected. I didn't have any idea what this year was going to look like when I started. I actually started off this year uh, with stepping down from a, a church team that I was serving on. Uh, and indefinitely taking a break from playing music, which I historically have always played music for churches. Uh, and that was a really big step for me to take a break from that and to focus myself and family. Um, and the year that's followed has been uh, an awfully gratifying year and uh, full of things I didn't expect. I started um, a small company. I started a podcast. Um, I got a big job. Um, what do you call that? A job promotion. That's what that's called. Uh, so yeah, it was just a really good year. Um, shout out to my wife, who's amazing and incredibly supportive. I wouldn't be able to uh, be doing Fox Cairo pedal toppers uh, without her. I wouldn't be able to do this podcast without her and her support. So thank you, Melissa. You are the best. I love you. She is the best. 
I mean, I'm a little biased, but I, I would definitely say she is my favorite human on the planet. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. That's how I feel about Rick, who's also been very supportive and patient and um, doesn't care when I buy new gear as long as I'm being financially responsible. Well, you can always sell other things, right, to fund new things. <laughs> That's true, but he doesn't like it when I do that. Yeah. I always run out of things that I, uh, the sell that I, I'm not attached to. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, I always like underestimate how much stuff I have to sell and overestimate, you know, or the other way around. You know, like I always uh, think that oh, if I just do this, I can do this. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, my year has been super crazy. Uh, it's been one of the strangest years of my life. Um, the band that I'm in, Reliant K. Uh, we have not played a show in over a year now, which is crazy. That has like not been the case in the last 20 years. Uh, and that's for a lot of reasons, but we just kind of decided to take a step back. And uh, so that has, you know, kind of forced me into thinking a little differently about what I do, and what I put my time and effort and energy into. And, um, you know, uh, earlier this year, I think it was June, I launched uh, 1981 Inventions, which is my... Uh, humble uh guitar company a uh, guitar pedal company that uh makes one distortion pedal so far uh and it's been just an entirely uh you know has smashed any idea of what i thought it could be uh has really grown in a, in a phenomenal way and um has really been uh kind of fulfilling to me on a lot of levels uh you know, just just getting pedals to people and seeing the look on their faces and, you know, hearing them plug it in for the first time, you know, some of my friends even. And, uh, you know, it's just been it, that's that's been a really cool process. Um, I think I do uh, like look forward to this next year uh, to getting back to writing music and making music and recording music uh, kind of in whatever context that takes. Um but I'm excited. I'm excited to get there. So that's awesome. All right. Um, yeah, that, I think that does it for our, our new year's recap. That's the recap, but we didn't talk about resolutions. Well, Matt did. I, you know, I have the same resolution every year. It's, um, to consume less and to create more. Ooh, could you, I not personally attack me, please. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good resolution. I might have to steal that. Yeah, do it. I have a hard time with New Year's resolutions. Um, I guess this upcoming year would be uh, to resolve the current conundrum that I'm feeling right now is uh, how do I balance my time between um, pedal topping, uh, the podcast, my my day job, and family. And uh, I the last month or so, I haven't spent nearly enough time with family as I would love to. And uh, they've been very supportive of that. And I... I want to find, figure out how I can better manage my time without giving up on the, the rad things that I'm doing over at Fox Cairo, the, the super rad things we're talking about here, uh, and still getting to spend a lot of time with my family. So that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. How does that sound? Is that, is that resolution-y enough? Yeah, that's really nice. And I think it's always, you know, trying to find this balance that like maybe doesn't even exist. You know, like one of one of the wisest people that I know, John Foreman from Switchfoot, uh, was once talking about his uh, his view of that kind of thing, and he was like, you know, he's like, it's kind of like there's Switchfoot and my solo thing and my family, 
and there's enough room for two of them, you know? So he was, he was just like, I, for him, uh, it was just a matter of like making sure that, uh, his family was always one of the two things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're buying a house and they say you can have, what do they say? You can have location, budget, or, and I forget what the other thing is. Like you can have two of the three, but you can't have all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Or it's like uh, getting your car fixed. It's like, I, I, I forget what the thing is. My mechanic had it up in his shop, but it was like, you can have it fast, cheap, or good. Pick two. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, that's a good algorithm to work with. Yeah, so I, I, I that always stuck with me as I was waiting for my car to get fixed. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, Matt, you've touched a little bit about what you've been doing with 1981 Inventions and Reliant K. Um, give us a little bit more. I'd love to hear just for the next couple of minutes before we jump into the main topic of what we're going to be discussing. Tell us a little bit more about how 1981 started, how that relates to Roland K. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to sit back and just revel in this conversation. No, no, I love it. Uh, Yeah, so 1981 Inventions, I had the idea to uh, start making my own pedal with Jono from Bondi FX, who... uh, you know, has been my friend for a long time. Uh, he was a friend of a friend who let me borrow his amp when my amp went down when we were playing in Kentucky. And I texted my buddy that lived in Kentucky at the time in Louisville and said, Hey, I know you have a bunch of amps. Uh, can you bring one to the show tonight? I literally just blew every tube in my amp. And he said, Oh man, I'm out of town right now, but my buddy has one. And so it was Jono and Jono came down and was gracious enough to bring me a really nice amp uh, to use for that night. And that was a huge help. And uh, we uh, just started talking and he was like, Oh yeah. And I also make this pedal. It's called the sick as, and uh, you know, uh, and, and at the time it was funny cause I was like super burned out on um, a lot of boutique pedals uh, mainly because I had owned a few at that time. This is like probably 2012 that, they were just breaking all constantly on the road where I was kind of going back to like boss pedals and like full tone and, uh, you know, things like that, that were just kind of more mass produced, uh, just because they lasted. And I was like, Hey man, uh, I'm totally happy to like listen to your pedal and give you my thoughts on it, but I'm probably not going to put it on my board. It's just, uh, I just need stuff that works, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, he ended up explaining to me like what the sick as was and that how it was based on the clan, but you know, kind of explained to me some, some of the differences he made. And I was like, Oh, I'm really interested to hear this now. And we plugged it in and I not, I put it on my board that night and I played the rest of the tour with it and it's been on my board ever since, you know? So like that, that was kind of how that relationship started. But then, uh, you know, so that was at a Reliant K show, uh, I've used the sick eyes uh, mainly to get the sounds kind of like on our forget and not so now album. If you're familiar with Reliant K um, and that pedal is just, it just does this like perfect, like mid rangey kind of clean, uh, but like still very rock leaning uh, kind of sound that is just perfect for a lot of those songs. And so, uh, you know, I, I became a huge fan of his work Uh we became friends. We just started hanging out all the time. He would come down to Nashville, uh, to hang out with me. And, uh, 
we started the idea uh, with him to make a pedal for me. And initially the idea was that I just wanted to make a pedal that was very specific to what I wanted out of a guitar pedal. Uh, and we tried a lot of different things. Uh, I think we did five different like full on like PCB prototypes. So like to the point of like designing breadboarding, uh, getting a prototype uh, circuit board ordered and then deciding to go different directions. So it was, it was kind of always this like side fun thing. Uh, and and I was always telling him, I was always like, hey, let's just release this under Bondi FX. Like if, if we land on something, you know, it's like, let's let's release it through your company and, um, you know, uh, just, just like make it your thing. Like you don't even have to cut me in, you know, like I just want to make it, <laughs> you know, like I just I just want this pedal for me to play. Right, you're just uh, having the time of your life with it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just want to make something very specific to my needs. Uh, and he said, no, no, no. Like the only way I would do this is if, like, if you wanted to release it, but or basically, like, if you want to use it for yourself and you can release it, but I would never release it under Bond FX. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. And so we started messing around with it, and we did five different prototypes, uh, all kind of with different, like. A different take on things you know some were more preamp leaning some were more um distortion or overdrive leaning some kind of uh borrowed some things from some classic pedals like clons and uh timmies and you know things like that and mm -hmm. with with each one uh kind of just felt like we i i don't know is it, it was like after after spending a little bit of time with each one i was like just not inspired by it i was i was not ready to go on any of it and you know honestly at that time i knew so little compared to what i know now about how uh pedals are designed and what what makes them good <laughs> and you know all of those things and um there's a lot that goes into it yeah yeah i remember we were on tour uh on the mm -hmm, 10 year anniversary tour with reliant k and I had the fourth version of the prototype with me then and I had played it for a few shows and I had listened to some board mixes and I could tell the songs. I knew the songs that I used it on and they sounded so much worse than the other songs. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I cannot use this, but now I need another high gain pedal. And at that point I had taken the rat off my board and we were in Chicago and I got on the subway or the L train or whatever they have there. And I went down Chicago Music Exchange and I just tried a bunch of things. And I walked away with the Caroline Haymaker, uh, who Philippe uh, from Caroline is also a really good friend of mine. And I bought the Haymaker then and I played it next to my pedal. And I was like, oh, no, I am so far away from this pedal, which is good. That's a great pedal, though. Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. And it's uh, it's such a cool take on the rat and does a lot of cool so many more things than just a rat uh and uh i really loved it and used that for the rest of that tour and uh i still have that pedal it's a great pedal um but anyway to get back to the story it's john and i started working uh i kind of kept working on it for a while and then he went to uh move back to australia 
a few years back. Um, so he was living in Kentucky. He moved back back to Australia, and at that point, he said, "You know, why don't why don't you take uh, you know kind of take over?" And I had I had some friends who were helping me here, and felt like we couldn't quite get like land on anything um, entirely. You know, I, I felt like we were we were like we could get like eighty five percent there. And, but during that time, uh, I purchased, I kind of started getting into used and vintage pedals and I purchased a 19, yeah, I purchased a 1981, uh, tube screamer, which I was like, this is, I don't care what anyone says. This is the perfect overdrive, you know, like all the other ones are wrong. This one is right. And, uh, also a 1985 white face rat. And I have owned all the rats and I've done all the rat mods and I've done the you know i've had the keely mods and jhs mods and the wampler mods and i've done mods and the vodka mods and you know I've, i could like go on on the rat for a long time but i've <clears throat> i've always used rats and i've always been trying to like chase down what it is i like about it and try to make it better because it wasn't quite uh it wasn't quite doing it um but I also loved it for what it was, you know? So if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, I mean, the, the rat pedal, I've always really connected with it. Um, you know, from, from back in the day, even, uh, I bought a Mesa Boogie dual rectifier and spent all of my money on it because that's what all the other pop punk bands had. And, you know, for that time in the late nineties, it sounded good. You know, it's a very solid amp. Um, but, where I figured out that the rat was more my taste is uh, when I started using the rat on the clean channel of that amp. And I was like, oh, this I actually like this better than the distortion channel. And then I bought a vintage Marshall and started running the rat through that. And I was like, I think is I like your, this better. Uh, your giant super lead? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That was that, that amp. Um and I still have that amp. I still test every single 1981 uh, pedal on that amp because I know it so well. And, you know, I, I remember the show that we were at where I was just like, A, being the Mesa and the Mesa with the Rat and then the Marshall with the Rat. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. The Marshall with the Rat is perfect. And I sold the Mesa like, the next week, you know, I was like, literally like, uh, this, this is my new realm, you know, and this, this is a long time ago. This is like 2001, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. This is right around when you, you guys would have been doing the mm -hmm record or, or a little bit before. Uh, this is before that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of to get back to the story, uh, I had tried to move my design forward, uh, for the last few years, but just kind of did it like when we had time off, when we were on the road and uh, would kind of come home and I would start messing with it and I would kind of get to a hard place or, or something I didn't understand or didn't know how to fix. And I would kind of just put it to the side and we'd go on tour and do another record and, you know, but I would keep coming back to it. You know, there's something about it that I that I wanted to conquer, uh, that I wanted to uh, make something finished, uh, even just for myself at that point. It was Jono probably like last summer so like a year and a half ago uh contacted me and was like hey let's finish that pedal like send me where you're at with it and i did and he was like okay let's let's take some of these ideas but let's start over 
to kind of to kind of go back again i'm sorry i'm i'm trying to tell like a cohesive story and i'm telling like three in a at the, at the same time you know at, at what i was trying to say by by the vintage pedals is that uh i got this 85 white face rat and i was like oh my goodness you know in the same way that this 81 tube screamer was the best overdrive i had ever played i was like oh this 85 rat is better than all the modded rats it's better than all the newer rats it's better than the reissues it's better than the early big box ones like this this one is special uh and this one is the closest one that i've ever heard to what i want out of a rat and so at that point i was literally just trying to recreate whatever that was because I was like, okay, these pedals are old. There's not a ton of them. They're three hundred fifty dollars on Reverb or whatever. And you know, maybe if I could make one and sell it for less, uh, other people might also appreciate this. That way, they could experience the magic of the white face rat without having to shell out for one that occasionally comes up in decent condition. And and they get a few upgrades like an LED indicator, right. you know, oh. things like that. <laughs> yeah, I've got, you know? I have a 1989 Proco Rat 2, and I don't know if I could ever move to Whiteface Rat just because the LED would throw me off, the lack of an LED, rather. The LED thing is, is pretty wild. Uh, the good thing about a rat is it's usually pretty easy to tell if you have it on uh, oh, sonically. Yeah, it's, it's obvious. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I felt like this pedal was my favorite, and... I have always run rats. This is like the way that I run them almost exclusively. I know some people kind of do the fuzz thing on the top and go high gain and, you know, cut the filter all the way off and do things like that. Uh, I always run rats like at the lowest gain possible. And to me, like on a rat pedal, like the distortion knob, uh, when you're moving it up at the, at the bottom, it sounds pretty bad and very thin and very tinny and, um, you get to this like sweet spot. It's usually right around like between 10 and 11 o'clock. And it just, it, it, you know, you just like hear like the low end come back, but there's still a clarity because the gain is down. But it's just like this sweet spot and you hit it and you know when you hit it because it sounds perfect all of a sudden. So I, I wanted to make a pedal that I was like, okay, th this is this is really great, but like everything below this setting of gain is unusable you know so so basically i i took my my approach to it and finally when we finished it was what are all the things that i don't like about the rat let's fix all those things and i think i fixed most of them uh at least for me uh things things that i wish were a little bit different um but anyway jono hit me up and was like hey let's finish this idea uh i'll get on facetime as much as you want uh we can start working on this um, we can take, take where you were at and turn this into a, like a fully formed kind of thing. And I said, great, you know, it's looking like our band is not going to play a lot of shows this coming year. Um, I would love something to dive into right now. And so we did, we, uh, really went full on. I spent a lot of time soldering and prototyping and learning about how different components make things sound different and you know really learning how to like tweak and tweak and tweak until it cannot be tweaked anymore um kind of thing um it it, it just was this this crazy process of like all this timing kind of coming together and john was saying hey i have time let's work on this and me being like kind of at feeling like i had hit a dead end uh in in my work on the pedal and 
you know, just kind of feeling like it was this perfect timing. And uh, Jono has taught me so much. He's really like extended such a hand, um, kind of like what you were saying as far as like, you know, other builders, uh, you know, just being so positive and so uh, like helping each other. And I will say that Jono and I are friends, uh, like on a personal level. So that that's like very important um, to the context of this. Like, I, I don't think he would have done this for anyone is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think we have a special relationship uh, and he, he's a very trusted friend. I mean, it's it, to me, to me, it's amazing and says a lot to his character that um, he had the opportunity for this to be one of his pedals that he would sell and then, you know, make his money on. And he's like, no, this is this is your baby. This is your idea. This is your thing. Yeah, yeah, that and that's actually what I wanted initially. I I wanted it to be that. Um and yeah, like so, you know, also on a business sense, like I paid him for his work to help design right. my circuit board and you know, it says it literally says his name on my Aww. circuit boards. Uh you know, so I I I paid him for his work, but he put in so much you know, like he took so much time and care to like helping me learn how to source components, helping me learn how to, you know, just like literally like, like soldering tips, you know, just like, like helping me in ways that like he yeah. didn't have to, you know, for what I was paying. Um, and, and that was very much appreciated. Yeah. And I don't think that exists in, in every industry like that. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, the guitar industry, guitar pedal industry is, is small. Uh, there are not a ton of people building and, uh, it seems like it just keeps getting smaller and smaller. You know, I keep meeting new people and um, was just messaging with uh, the folks over at Maris. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had been wanting to pick up an Enzo forever. And I forget how the conversation started, but we started talking on Instagram and just, just decided to trade uh, one of my pedals for one of their pedals. And I was like, oh, this is great. Nice. Yeah, I love this. You know, so... Uh, it's been cool. And, you know, there've been a ton of other people, uh, in the industry that I have, uh, talked to and, uh, you know, kind of like made, become friends with, you know, really, uh, doing what I do and them and they are doing what they do. Yeah. It's interesting. It doesn't feel, um, as hyper competitive as, as some things are. And I don't know. And I don't really know why that is. I feel like some industries are like you either, buy Coke or you buy Pepsi and there's like two sides. And I'm sure that there are like fans who feel that way. Like, Oh, I'm a JHS person. I would never buy a MXR pedal or whatever, yeah. but it feels like the builders aren't as in on that. Um, at least publicly. I don't, I don't, I'm sure things go on behind the scenes and people have opinions and that's inevitable when you have, so many groups of very, very different people um, selling things or even in a room together. But it, yeah, yeah. it seems like they it's not advertised as... Um, I, I very seldom see somebody straight up say, this is like this, and it's better than this on an advertising or marketing side. Mm -hmm. But I feel like spreading advice and... And not necessarily trade secrets, but helping everybody improve seems to be a pretty common theme 
from um, a lot of the builders that I've talked to. Yeah. It would literally, it would be difficult for me to list all of the people that have helped me. And I try to, I actually, in my, in my pedal, uh, you know, kind of like info page and things like that. I literally put like a thank you section, like I was putting on an album or something, just because maybe that's the world that I know. Um, but like, so in my, in my manual for my pedal, I was trying to thank everyone. And there've been so many people that have thanked me since, or that have helped me, sorry, not thanked me, uh, that have helped me since the pedal has come out, even that I wish I uh, like, I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to reprint manuals so I can add all these other people uh, you know, like, like Josh from JHS is like, he's been a, a friend for a long time, you know, I knew him from when we were playing in Reliant K and he would send us, you know, I, I think John, our guitar player, like one of the first Pink Panther, you know, analog tap tempo uh, delays that he did. And, you know, he, he was just sending stuff out and being super generous at that point. Uh, and I always respected his work, but you know, like, He's been so helpful. Like he has literally helped me like with sourcing, um, with, you know, just kind of like figuring out uh, how to get things done. And he takes time out of his day to like take a phone call or to like make a phone call to me, you know, and like that kind of stuff just blows my mind uh, that that he would do that, you know, uh, and I, I feel very thankful for that. And, um, you know, some, something I was talking to, to Grant from Big Ear about, uh, was just like, I, th I think we can all kind of respect uh, as builders, as makers, as designers, uh, we can all kind of like respect someone doing something that feels true. Uh, and, you know, it, it actually like the JHS thing came up because I was like, we were talking about um, like circuit board mounted power jacks, you know, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with, yeah. with that. I know some people love them and some people hate them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and certainly there are great pedals that have them and certainly there are great pedals that don't. Uh, and we were just talking about it and, and, and I was like, Hey, wait, does it, JHS still has panel mounted power jacks, don't they? And I was like, that is crazy. I was like, that makes me like them so much more. Not, not because not of the argument of whether it's better or not. Uh, but that just feels like to me as something that Josh personally feels strongly about that they've stuck with even though it might be easier to go another route yeah you know, even even if it would save time or money to go another route they've still are like you know what we're gonna solder these two cables and we're gonna screw in the panel mounted power jack by hand because that's what we do you know and i was just <laughs> yeah. like i i love that like i i think that's really cool and that and that's not to say that someone couldn't be true to themselves and put out a board mounted power, you know, pedal. Uh, but I, I just say all that to say it's, it's really cool to see people being true to themselves, you know? And I think that's ultimately like uh, the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, that's a huge part of music is just this idea of self-expression and for that not to play itself out in the world behind the music with the gear is just almost, I would say that's disingenuous to, yeah, to not, yeah follow that i sometimes talk about uh pedal makers and and uh amp technicians and auto mechanics uh i think there's like this similar thing where you like look at someone else's work or you know it's like it's like you bring your car in the mechanics like oh, who was the last guy that worked on this you know and it's like the same thing uh with every amplifier that i've ever brought in 
you know, if I'm bringing it to someone new, they'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what's going on in here. This is horrible. You know, it's like not the way you do it. This is out of, this is in the wrong place, you know, like all these things. And so everyone just has their own way of doing it. And I think that's what makes it all good. You know, I think that's what it makes, makes it, it so much more personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that, so I, I try to have a little bit of a wider acceptance of those things, uh, and, and not be, uh, a crusty amp guy, which I love crusty amp guys also. Crusty amp guys, crusty sound guys. They're just, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The part of the flavor uh, of this world. It's have like, uh, like there's one way of doing things kind of guys, you know, right. where I, I'm more like accepting of, of multiple ways. If it works, it works. Right. Yeah, but I do really respect when someone is doing it in the way that they feel, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, that's a part of their craft. That's a part of almost a I, not almost. That's just a part of who they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that. I, and, and really, I feel like uh, what differentiates any piece of gear is like is, is really like nuance is really like uh and and that's something I feel like my pedal is is rich in is uh, uh, specificity and nuance and like uh, you know it it may not be that different from a rat pedal uh, schematic wise uh, but it feels different it sounds different uh, I decided to leave a rat pedal on my board because I felt like it sounded that much different you know uh, that and rats are just amazing pedals I. I... I'm a self-professed rat fanatic. Yeah, yeah, and I, I obviously love them too, and I feel like they have their use. And uh, yeah, it's uh, um, but but still, I feel like like what I've been able to create uh, with DRV and you know with Jono's help and uh, guidance um, is this like really cool low gain stage where it's like. It's kind of like preamp. So uh, to get in a little bit on the design side of my pedal, there's a, the, a preamp that hits a distortion pedal, uh, which is, try, again, trying to recreate the sound on my board, uh, which has always been, I always run a preamp pedal, whether I'm using an overdrive, uh, the sick as, um, a rap pedal. Part of my sound as a guitar player is a preamp pedal, like like an EP booster or a microamp. Uh, currently, I have the Union More pedal uh, on my board. Um, just something like just a transparent boost or something with a little bit of color to it. Yeah, uh, I guess it could be either. Uh, you know, I've had good luck with either. And uh, I think it's just kind of like seasons and flavors. And, you know, it's kind of like changing from like vanilla to vanilla bean, you know, is a, a good analogy. Uh, and don't get me started on double vanilla. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we don't talk about French vanilla. Yeah. Don't, don't mess around with that stuff. But, uh, you know, so like that, but that's always been like such an integral part of my sound. And I feel like the rat does sound different with a preamp in front of it. So we built a preamp into my pedal, uh, into the DRV and, uh, it's not something that you can adjust. It's a fixed value preamp, which I painstakingly and over months decided the exact values uh, of that preamp <laughs> uh, as far as like how it, how it interacts with the, uh, with the distortion side of, of the pedal. Um, 
And I feel like it, it really turned out well. And one of the things that I think really translated the most and, and really part of the, the part of the pedal I think is most unique is uh, the lowest gain settings, uh, really from like gain off up until like 10 or 11 o'clock. Uh, because those are like, to me, like the unlocked part of the rat that no one's ever been able to get to. Uh, but now it sounds good. You know, so yeah. I, I was taking all these things of the rat and saying, well, uh, I don't think the low end's quite right. You know, so I spent, we spent a lot of time getting that right. And I don't think the mid range is quite right. So we spent a lot of time getting that right. And I don't, I don't think the filter knob's doing exactly what I want it to do. And so we spent a lot of time on that. And, and I think it needs to be louder on the output. So we, you know, it was, it, it was all these things and fixing, you know, kind of fixing things that I felt like I just wanted to be different for me as a player um and it's 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 been really cool to see like how many other people uh have been able to relate to that and uh i i feel like it's hitting a unique spot um kind of for people right now oh yeah well just listen you talk about some of those features like you mentioned like with the output the first time i remember the first time i plugged in a rat it was so confused it was so quiet it's because unity gain on a rat is like on the volume knob is like right around two two thirty yeah, and yeah. it's just so much higher than pretty much anything else I've played contemporarily. Um, uh huh. Just so, like, so just getting to hear you talk about the things that you like about the rat and the the deep sense of respect and that you have for that circuit, but also wanting to improve upon the little things that aren't deal breakers for calling a rat a great pedal. But I I just think that's so cool. Yeah. So like when I run a rat, typically I have the the level almost maxed out. That's like my setting. Uh, yep. And I don't, I don't feel like that's wrong. I don't feel like it's, it's, I don't necessarily wish it got that much louder, uh, but it just felt like to me, like, Oh, can we get more output? Yes. Okay. Let's do that. You know, like that, that was like a pretty, pretty simple no brainer uh, kind of question for me. Yeah. Well, I know before in our, in our um, pre-show chat, we talked a little bit about great guitar stores. Um, and I used to live in, in Nashville, where, where you live now. Um, and back then, uh, I kind of left right when, like, Carter Music became a thing, right when Grand Guitars moved. Um, and I, I do think one of the reasons I wasn't really big into pedals um, until I came to Seattle was that there weren't really – any stores that had a lot of them. Um, the close, there were a lot of acoustic stores. I mean, it's Nashville. Um, but there was one store in um, 12 South called Corner Music, which I hope is still there. Um, and they had a few things. They had more electric guitars than anywhere else I went. But um, you were telling me about um, East, not East Side Music. It is Eastside Music, yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Eastside Music Supply. Nice. That is it. Yeah, and you said they were big um, in in the whole um, creation of the the nineteen eighty one, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Uh, so especially Blair and Micah that work at Eastside Music, uh, I just became really good friends with them, um, and. Uh, also Brandon, I don't want to leave out Brandon. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I would just go in there and hang out and geek out about pedals and, uh, you know, like talk about boards and vintage pedals and, you know, 
boss pedals. I have a crazy boss uh, fanatic side of me. Um, but yeah, like we would uh, just just had a lot of, of common bonds when we first started out. And um, when I first started working on the pedal and they uh, are a shop here in Nashville, uh, highly recommended. And they just go above and beyond to, you know, get all the spaceman pedals they go above and beyond to like uh and not and not just the ones that you can find you know they'll have like the aphelion and the uh, saturn five and you know like it that that kind of thing is like very important to them um to have uh you know kind of like whatever whatever kind of pedals and they work with a ton of boutique builders um and also some bigger ones, uh, but you know, just their their selection and their curation, and um, just their attention to, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a like a guitar shop for guys that have big pedal boards. You know, that's kind of like, and all of those guys do, uh, and even the guys that have smaller boards are constantly changing, you know, and constantly upgrading and thinking of new things, and 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 really being inspired by that next thing, and. Uh, but yeah, Eastside Music has been such a, uh, you know, like a, like a third place for me, you know, like uh, homework and also a hangout place, uh, really good friends. And, you know, they've literally walked alongside me through the creation of my pedal, you know, from like breadboard to like multiple versions of prototypes uh, to, uh, you know, finally you know, the product that it is now. Um, but you know, the guys at Eastside music were just such an, an asset to me and such a help, uh, just in their ability to like be a, be an honest sounding board and to really give me like really good, uh, constructive feedback. Uh, but also I felt like they were rooting for me, you know, also I felt like just as their friend, uh, that they wanted to, see me get to a place where I can not only make something great, but succeed at it. So, I love, I love that. And I love that Nashville has that community now. And I'm glad that so many places do, especially in a world where you keep hearing about, um, you know, brick and mortars shutting down. I feel like um, it makes places like good guitar stores more important. Yeah, I haven't been to a lot of guitar stores in Seattle, but uh, Emerald City, have you been there? Oh, yeah. I used to work right around the, the corner from them. Nice. That's a great yeah. place to spend a lunch break. <laughs> I would I would always pop in there when we were on tour and, you know, play a 50s Les Paul or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, they have um they have a bunch of those. In the vault. The vault. Um, one place, it, I, just talking about guitar stores. Um, so I'm from Cincinnati, and I grew up going to a place called Mike's Music in downtown Cincinnati. Yeah, that that place is the best. Have you been to the third floor? Oh yeah. Oh, I love I've, the third I've floor. All, I've been all through that place. Oh, that Are third we... floor. I'd never seen it until I went uh, back in October. And I wanted to take my husband. He's like, "Oh, you want to go to a guitar store?" Da 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 da. <laughs> and Perfect. um. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I get it. Like pretty much as soon as we walk in, he looks around, he's like, I get it. <laughs> and then it was the first time I'd ever been invited to the third floor. Cause I think it was the first time I'd been since I was maybe 17 mm -hmm. and, um, gosh, it's just, oh, 
just a thing of beauty. Yeah, it's insanity. Um, one of my one of my friends uh, was telling me about the old grooms in Nashville and getting invited to the second floor there or something. Oh, that was a hard invite to get. And they were like, oh, yeah, here's Johnny Cash's guitar. It's $280,000. Or here's, you know, like, they had all these crazy Ooh. guitars in there uh, that were just incredibly uh, valuable. Yeah, I think uh, my friend Brian is the only person I know who's been invited on his own up there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know him. His name is Brian Simpson. He performs as the Whistles and the Bells. I haven't heard of it, but I should definitely look it up. It's good. Um, My husband's going to get mad about this. I forget what his other band was, but I think they were bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I can find it on the internet. Emily, that reminds me, you mentioned Cincinnati. Um, Matthew, uh, Emily grew up in Ohio, and didn't you as well, Matt? I did, yeah. I lived... uh, Canton, that's right. A lot of my life in Ohio. Yep. It's actually Cincinnati's kind of like almost the halfway point between where I grew up and Nashville. That makes sense because it's like three or four hours to Nashville from uh, Cincy. Yeah, so it's it's a good halfway point. But yeah, I, talking about Mike's music, I'm like, man, next time I go up up to visit family, I should stop by there because yes. I, I would mainly only go there. We we played at Bogarts a lot of times. Like, oh yeah, when I say a lot, I mean like. 15 times. Did you play <laughs> Bogarts when there were still Sudsy Malone's across the street? Oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, Sudsy but. Malone's was a combination um, bar, venue, and laundromat. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> no, there are kind of a lot of... I yeah. think that might be an Ohio thing because there are a few of those in the town I grew up in. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, kind of. I, I, I mean, I, I think it'd be more fun to have an arcade slash laundromat. I mean, they both use quarters. Yeah, there you go. One <laughs> save on the chain. I, I just, I, I'm just imagining. I'm having a hard time here because uh, of your hometown having anything fun to do in it. Because you know they always say in Canton, you Canton. Enjoy yourself. Uh, thank you. Yes. Is that a real uh, saying? Yep. It's from one of our songs. It's a, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> How can you not enjoy yourself with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, I think I only went there on like a high school trip. Uh, was my yeah. only time there. And it's, <sighs> you know, I, I'm, it's a, I'm it's a sports uh, yeah. as, as a whole, I guess. But uh, <sighs> I never really felt like it was necessary on a Saturday afternoon to go to the Hall of Fame. No, so. no. Um, but you were probably closer to like Cleveland. I forget exactly oh, no, where like, Canton is. Oh yeah, it's it's like an hour from Cleveland. So. Yeah, so Cedar Cedar Point and stuff like that. I assume yeah, is more how you'd rather spend yeah. a day. Definitely, definitely. Oh, oh. sorry, I could just talk about price. Ohio and food and see. I thought we were just going to talk about Nashville. I forgot. Um, I know Andrew's a big fan of your band. Um, I don't think I'd heard of you all until college. My freshman year roommate was a fan. I'm oh, sure perfect. she still is. Um, cause I went to, to Belmont in Nashville. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of a Christian university. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of people there. Um, that was kind of the first time I'd heard about Reliant K, but, um, yeah, I miss Ohio sometimes. I miss the food weirdly. I miss the pizza. That is really weird. Cause you live in 
one of the best cities to eat, I think. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have Donatos. Oh, uh, it's like so trashy, but also good. Oh, it's so trashy and good. Well, and Seattle also doesn't have In-N-Out, so how good could the food be here? Oh. You have a Cali burger and a Shake Shack. It's not the same, and you know it. I just like to say it to make you mad at this point. I know, I know. I still need to go. I Every time I look up like Shake Shack, I see that like the lines are still like around the corner. When the lines die down, I'm going to go and follow through on our bet that we have. Dude, just just order through the app. Select a time when your food's going to be ready. You get a text when it is ready. You walk right up to the counter, you pick it up, and then you eat it. <sighs> Beat the system. No excuses. I, I, I guess I really don't have any excuses. I guess um, for context, not to leave you out of the loop here, uh, Matt, but a few episodes back, we uh, made a bet. Uh, now that Shake Shack is coming to Seattle, that if I try Shake Shack and I like it better than In and Out, <laughs> I will peel the In and Out sticker off of the back of my oh, I mean, I don't think you're going to. I, I mean, you're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a man of my word, but I am also biased. So it's a bit of a rigged well, bet. Well, I think. But nonetheless, I'm going to try it. The only real solution would be to do a blind taste test on just a normal cheeseburger one from Shake Shack, one from In and Out, and one from Cali Burger. <laughs> I mean, I mean, can't we all just agree that they're all good, though? Yeah, they are. I mean, they're. They, I am sure they're all great. I just have my personal preferences because I spent most of my childhood in California. I get it. I yeah. get, I get having uh, attachments. I mean, can you guys see the correlation between guitars or guitar pedals? E- even like, let's let's even just narrow it down to like overdrive pedals alone. Mm. Uh, you know how yeah. you can like. It's kind of like a good burger, you know, like you can uh, talk about the differences uh, from one to the next, but really a lot of it is just like kind of whatever one you're in the mood for in that moment. Yeah. But also it can be one like, like your in and out overdrive pedal, which is like the, you know, the one that you just are attached to. It's like, right, of course. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andrew, remember the other week when I told you I feel like my cat knows when we're almost done recording a podcast episode? Oh, yeah. Is it, it happening just, it's again? It's happening again. The cat feels it. She knows. Strong with the force, I that one it. is. I feel it all the way here in Nashville. Oh, that cat force. I don't know if you're a cat person. I, I do have a cat. I uh, It's... It was my wife's cat before we got married, and so he is now also mine. Um, Aw, what's his name? Graham. Graham. Amazing cat. Like Graham Parsons? No, I I don't. Like Graham Cracker? She said she was naming him that because she wanted to, that was one of her names for like a possible son name, but she was like, well, I'm definitely never having any more kids. (laughs) <laughs> and we had a baby like a year ago. So oh, congratulations. <laughs> and we named him Cedar Aww. and not Graham because Graham was taken. Yeah, I mean, you kind of can't. It's like um, Indiana Jones when he says, we named the dog Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine naming your kid Indy. after your pet. Yeah. Like, why'd you name me this? Because I had a cat named that. What? <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful thing, pets. I'm, I'm just... Sorry, I'm coming back to like the, the analogy mm-hmm. of dirt pedals and fast food. I just I love. No, that. I think it's I think it's totally true. I I typically equate dirt pedals to ice cream flavors, um, mm. but I think the yeah, burger that's more thing, different. The burger thing I the think burger is... thing might be more right. 
I kind of dig like that. It. So wait, what 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 are your guys? Uh, what's your in and out of dirt pedal? Like, what's my favorite dirt pedal ever? Yeah, like the one, yeah, like the one that you would go back to. I don't know if I will. I don't know if I will ever take the VD two off my board. There you go. That's a perfect one. But also, um, the Pelican Noiseworks Half Horse. I thought I hated fuzz until I got this pedal. Yeah, it's a really cool circuit. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm gonna have to hands down uh, go with Rat. Um, we also have we also haven't played the 1981. Well, I oh, haven't. I know. Yeah, I, I need you. I need to get you guys some. Uh, I should I should have set one before. I'm actually like in the middle of finishing. That's actually what I've been spending most of the last few days. Uh, you know, recording wise, um, I've been, you know, I took a enormous amount of pre-orders on my last order. And I think it's maybe more pre-orders than one person should take on, uh, in hindsight. <laughs> but I've been doing everything in my power to, uh, get all of those out the door and I'm doing it. So that is nice. Well, that's um, awesome. But once, once the, uh, once the weather clears a little bit, uh, and I can take a little bit of time off. Uh, yeah, we'd love to uh, hear your guys' thoughts on the pedal. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to get. Yeah, I was really looking to try to buy one. When I don't know if you've gotten the pink enclosures in yet. Uh, I have a few. I, actually, I have them. Uh, I have a large number of them that are being printed currently. So I will have nice. those soon. Oh, please let me know. I will for sure. But yeah, I'm I'm really stoked to release the pink one as well. I'm actually thinking about at some point like discontinuing the chrome version, which has been my favorite. Uh, but just to kind of take it in more of like it's just seasons and kind of like whatever I feel like in that season. That's a fun uh, way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, well, I don't. Like, I don't have anyone to answer to, you know? I don't have a board yeah. of directors or, like, I can just do whatever I want. And uh, I think my company has been, like, on an interesting trajectory because up until the point when I opened my last pre-order, uh, my pedals had really only been for sale for, like, three different days. You know, I, I did a first pre-order, and those sold out overnight uh, when I released it. And then I did a second pre-order, and those sold out in less than a day. And then I did a third pre-order and, and that one, or not a pre-order, but I built up a huge batch of them and those sold out. And so, you know, I think, I think it's just been an interesting trajectory of like, you know, and, and I don't say any of that to, to talk about like, Oh, look at, look at how awesome this is. But like, uh, I did not expect any of those, especially the first one, the first time that it happened. Um, but I think I think it's set me on an interesting trajectory of like, you know, even in my social media, like I'm not always trying to like get someone to go back and buy something because it's it's not for sale. You know, <laughs> like I'm making as many as I human as humanly possible right now. Um, and that has been a cool thing. But on my last pre-order, I said, OK, finally, I'm just going to open it up. I'm just going to leave it open for a little bit. And. I'll take as I'll take in as many orders. My only thing that I'm going to tell you guys is I'm not going to give you a hard deadline of when it's going to ship because I don't know. <laughs> and you know, I need I still need to source a lot of this stuff. Uh and I'm one man building pedals uh and so it's going to take a while and um 
it has been just on a sourcing level alone. It has been one of the most difficult uh, things that I've ever done as a human in my life, you know, just like get all the things that I need to sell the pedals. And it's, it seems easy. It seems like, you know, even compared to comparatively to my earlier releases, uh, it feels like things are just being thrown at me, uh, where, yeah, I should have, I should have had this out a month ago or so or more. Um, but then I'm also like just the sheer volume of like the units that I'm trying to ship, uh, I try to give myself some grace in that. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Know, so. And I mean, you're making them, so. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing what I can and, you know, kind of, kind of like the main thing uh, also about, you know, like talking about core values and like, like I love doing this. I, I love building pedals. I love, I love every single process of it. I love every part of the process. And, you know, one thing that I'm not going to do is, is skimp on anything or, you know, speed through a process or, you know, send a pedal out that hasn't been tested properly or like, uh, even like use a knob that I don't feel like is perfect for my pedal, you mm -hmm. know, so that that's been like a huge sourcing, uh, thorn in my side. Um, but also I feel like that's kind of like what I'm, I'm like, why even do it? You know, if I'm, if I'm not going to be like very specific about, about what I want and what I want to put out, then like, you know, the, the, there's, there's just such a value in that that I want to, like, hold on to. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of times that makes things a lot harder for me, a lot more difficult. Uh, but I feel like there, there's still value in that. There's still worth in that. So um, ultimately, I'm just thankful for this. I'm thankful to be able to make puddles. I'm thankful um, that people enjoy playing them. Uh, and I'm excited to make more. So we'll see. We'll see what happens then. <laughs> seriously i have so much respect for that that mindset that process of wanting to get it right not wanting to parse off certain parts of the process to someone else because this is something that you enjoy that's so rad yeah yeah so i'd, I'd like to keep it like this as long as possible and you know it's those are questions that i have you know even still to work out um in my head even you know it's like how, how big do i want to get you know or how uh like even like what what are my goals you know um really kind of like focusing on like what kinds of things do I want to do? Uh, and I, I think one answer to that is I, I would like some more time to devote to like developing more circuits. You know, I have, I have a lot of, a lot more ideas, uh, things that I want to put on my pedal board basically <laughs> that aren't currently available. And, um, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, kind of chase some of those down and see if, if, if we can make them into a reality. Um, and, and and then also like I I want to keep doing music I want to um, create and record and um, you know still still have like an outlet on on that realm you know so so we'll kind of see like what what happens in the future but um, building pedals has been uh, just a super positive thing in my life uh, and I'm uh, really thankful that that is you know just something that's like. I, I really it feel like in the same way it's kind of like scratching that itch of like creating and putting out into the world you know like uh it feels like like i'm doing something important if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense i can relate to on a much smaller level to preface i can relate to a lot of a lot of those thoughts sound like things that i've had the last couple of months as i've been um, working with my own side project uh, between the podcast and then the uh, the pedal toppers and just 
hearing that from you is just really cool to hear. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I checked out your page uh, on the pedal toppers, and that's that's awesome. So, oh, well, thank really, you. Uh, stoked to see what happens for you. Well, hey, folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've got a couple of sponsors for this episode that help us put out content like this. Um, they've been so gracious to us, and we're so thankful that they've been as supportive as, as supportive as they've been. Um, first off, I want to shout out to Phil Sakanashi over at Tasty Cables. Uh, this episode is actually the first episode uh, I'm recording my microphone through one of his XLR cables. I got it in last night. I got out of the bag, and I just love the build quality on this. I love how it feels. Um, yeah, I just it's just super sleek looking. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about Phil. So that's that's for you, Phil. Thank you so much for that. And uh, also to Curtis Lamberton over at Lambertones pickups uh if you have not listened to any of his stuff go listen to a demo if if you have the opportunity to purchase something from him do it you will not regret it uh, i've been playing his kramas for probably golly six months now and i just again plugged it in last night and uh it just still sounds fresh and new and exciting and i've never felt this way about a set of pickups before cannot wait to get my jazz master kremas oh, i can't wait for you either yeah so he's also just one of the raddest dudes I've ever met. He's definitely worth giving your money to. So, uh, and then, yeah. And thank you so much to Matthew hoops for coming on the show. Check out his stuff at 1981inventions.com. Also sign up for his mailing list. Uh, yeah, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. We, I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. We'll have Absolutely. to have you back on sometime. Happy new year again, guys. Happy new year. Goodbye.